where, where does this stop, David? Are, are they going to arrest Tim Berners-Lee, you know, the right. creator of the internet protocols? How right. about Netscape, 1994, who designed uh, HTTPS? Remember Mark Andreessen talked about kind of Crypto Wars 1.0 when he came on the podcast? He was talking about the battle there. I mean, are the developers of internet protocols responsible for how North Korea uses the internet in order to do nefarious things that Treasury doesn't want? It's absolutely ludicrous. And I think that if... If Treasury or ever any government uh, regulator in the U.S. took this type of stance towards communication, we would have no Silicon Valley. We would have no free and open internet based largely in the U.S. today. But we would have none of this innovation and economic GDP growth. It would have been completely squelched. Bankless Nation, it is the last Friday of August. David, what time is it? It's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere nonetheless into the frontier. How you doing, Ryan? How's I'm doing party? okay. Just okay, though. You know, yeah. this this week felt like a, a gut punch, and yeah. we're going to talk about some uh, the bad thing that happened this week and uh, in the show. There's also some good stuff. But um, I mean, getting the bad thing out of the way, number one, the Department of Justice has arrested Roman Semenov. This is a US developer of Tornado Cash, an open source privacy developer. Uh, this one hurt, David. It feels like crypto continues to be under attack. Privacy and freedom are under attack. It's a big freaking deal. And we're gonna spend some time talking about it in the episode. That's the bad stuff, but we got some good stuff too. What else are we talking stuff. about? Plenty of good yeah. stuff. The arrival of EIP-4844 draws closer. This is, of course, the one that scales up layer twos further than they already have. Uh, the friend.tech debate continues. Is it good or bad? Ron and I did an entire show on that. We will recap it very quickly, but really talk about the big takeaways, which are that it's proof that we are ready to go mainstream. Uh, we got a mainnet debut as well. We got an airdrop to talk about and an exploit as well. Just a normal week in crypto. Uh, so make sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Ryan, I don't know if you've uh, checked recently, but on Apple Podcasts, we are about to hit 1,000 five-star reviews. So this is a call to action for anyone listening to on uh, Bankless on Apple. Give us those five-star reviews so we can legitimize the Bankless podcast and get that top of the iTunes uh, investing and business categories. Guys, some <laughs> of this will be edited out, but maybe stay tuned to the bloopers after the show oh, to no. uh, to see how many times it took David to say 1,000th. It your is boy, hard, though. Your boy's got it's a hard to say. today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know what? We got to start here, though. Uh, mm -hmm. This is pretty cool from our friends and sponsors over at SAFE, a non-custodial bankless crypto wallet that the feds can't take from you. It's called SAFE, and uh, they've got some account abstraction magic that they want the devs to know about. So what are they talking about today? Yeah, so you've heard us talk about account abstraction, of course, how it's going to 100x the crypto wallet experience and kind of build the bridge that we ultimately need to get everyone else onto the world of crypto. So SAFE is proposing their modular open source safe core protocol as the standard to move forward to transition all of our wallets to being smart contract wallets. And they want you mm -hmm. to check it out, especially if you're a developer. So SafeCore is unopinionated core standard, vendor agnostic, high component reuse, AKA safe code, uh, and also allows to maintain interoperability and smart contract diversity. Uh, so there is also a hackathon as well dedicated to building on SafeCore happening in early September in Berlin, Germany, if that is your neck of the woods. So don't forget to register for that. And if you just want to check out SafeCore and to start building in the world of smart contract wallets, there's a link in the show notes. Uh, speaking of cool events, this one's not in Germany, David, but we're yeah. throwing a little party, a little shindig 
over at Permissionless. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen Monday, September 11th mm -hmm. from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. in Austin, Texas. David, what are we doing here? Uh, so every once a year, Bankless manifests in real life. Could you imagine? That is yeah. the Permissionless Conference, of course. We've been talking about it endlessly on the weekly roll-up. Uh, for Bankless citizens who did not catch it last week or for whatever reason miss a roll-up, how dare you, we are throwing a party <laughs> for you, the citizens. And that is Monday the 11th at Permissionless. So the one time of the year the Bankless shows up in real life. Ryan will be there. I will be there. The entire Bankless team will be there so you guys can meet all the magicians that make this show possible behind the scenes. Big shout out to the team. We're all going to hang out, going to get some drinks. 500 people is our limit. Uh, we are not there yet. So if you are a citizen, make sure you show up in the Discord to click the link that is only for citizens, as well as all the other podcast guests that you guys have listened to, all the people, panelists that we've invited to Permissionless. Anyone that's ever been on Bankless that's also a Permissionless will be there. Uh, I think I think Eric Voorhees signed up today. Uh, so what? He'll, be, he'll be there at the party oh, along, man. along with everyone else, you know, all the fam. I'm going I'm to buy that man a drink for, what, I think, uh, I for think that we, debate I think with SBF. I will also buy, well, you can get Eric Voorhees. I'll get Dankrad's drink. I'll get Dankrad's yeah. drink. Yeah. Do you know what? Actually, I, I got a surprise for you, David, because all the drinks are free. Courtesy oh, that's of our right. Sponsor, we already Kraken. are doing that. Every, All the <laughs> drinks are free. Kraken is actually buying Eric Voorhees a drink. Thanks, thank you, Kraken, for Thanks, supplying Thanks, Kraken. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, speaking of Kraken, let's pull up the Kraken price charts. Uh, Bitcoin price this week start of the week. I think we're down from last week, but uh, tell us the carnage here. Uh, down 7%. Oof. Bitcoin has lost $2,000 off of its market cap starting the week at $28,000, ending the week at $26,000. You know, last week uh, we were covering the prices during the dump. And I was like, oh, we almost never get to do this because it always usually dumps right afterwards. Oh, you're excited? Yeah, because we, we actually excited about the dump We actually were able to cover the market action. Okay. And so like I said, like, oh yeah, so the, it's we're bottoming them out right now. It's at 1740 or uh, maybe 16, it was 1640. And I was like, yeah. okay, sweet. We're actually getting the market action. And then afterwards, there was a huge wick all the way down to like below 1600. Uh, yeah. That's the ether price I'm talking about. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so no, we actually did not get uh, the capture the market actions. But well, uh, moving on to ETH price, 1740 is where it started last week, down five and a half percent to 1640. Uh, Wicks down to 1525 dollars. Whoa, yeah. that got real low. That got We're real, gonna real talk low. about that. We're gonna talk about that in a bit. Why that wick may have been. But mm -hmm. before we do, let's talk about a few of the other metrics here. Uh, ETH Bitcoin ratio is that flat? Up, up, up on 1.5 percent. Yeah. So okay. this is a Bitcoin a sell off that dragged them rest of the market down all right um and global crypto market cap total market value of crypto what's that sitting at david yeah almost 1.1 trillion we did drop below a trillion dollars we the did work yeah but we're back up i, we're I do not like above that a trillion yeah i don't like bitcoin below 30k eth below 2k and uh definitely market cap below a trillion That's hey enough buyers great. kept us above you know above one trillion dollars so thank you to this buyers. is going to be one of those Shout out to uh, buyers out there I, I was a buyer last week you're a buyer, you're last a buyer? Week? yeah um i was a buyer i think by proxy um you know oh, one of yeah, the things yeah. that i do is buying <laughs> um total crypto market cap Above a trillion, though, still. I, I think this is going to be one of those uh, bad news, good news episodes. All right, so yeah. that was the bad news. Prices are down a little bit. Let's get into some good news here. It's all on layer two B. Look at the activity, yeah. David. Mm. What are we looking mm. at here? Uh, we're looking at a growing area under the curve of the scaling factor. Hitting new highs for the week at 5.2x Ethereum's. So the aggregate scaling of all layer twos on Ethereum are 5.2x, one mm. a, the, uh, the base Ethereum. Um, mainly thanks to ZK Sync Era, actually, interestingly enough, clocking in 
at 12.2 transactions per second, coming in at number one. Uh, wow. Followed up by, uh, so this is earlier in the week, followed by Base coming in at 8.6 transactions per second. Arbitrum, seven transactions per second, and OP mainnet, five transactions per second. So really, honestly, like, shout out to ZK Sync era. The transaction volume has been absolutely insane. There is a decent supply of that that is bots, but also there's a decent supply that's not. And what do you mean, bot? Uh, airdrop farmers. Oh, bots. Okay, bots. actual yeah. bots. For yeah, okay. passing money around. And so, like, yeah, yeah like, many, many, many people think, like, oh, well, it's bots. It's, kind of, it's like illegitimate, uh, illegitimate transaction volume. It's not, it's not real humans. It's real money. Like, that's, mm. there's a half a billion dollars being pushed around in ZK Sync era. So that's real, actual, like, stress testing of the protocol bots or not. There are actual, like, div- new novel apps being built on ZK Sync that real humans are actually using. So it's a mix between bots and humans. Kind of a taste for the future. Well, that's what you're going to get when the transactions are so cheap, then the, then the robots yeah. can start affording it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so all yeah, the yeah. Che- cheap transactions are robot transactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, base flipping Arbitrum and Optimism by daily transaction yep. count. Wow. Yep. Coming in in number one at the, uh, the optimistic roll-ups. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a big freaking deal. Look at this chart, just straight up. Yep. Have you been surprised by Base's adoption, David? Uh, I mean, as someone who's been playing on Friends all week, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, from a month ago to now, would you have predicted this chart? Base in I... like a period of weeks outstripping Ethereum and then also the two largest uh, optimistic mm-hmm. roll-up chains that have been live for like, like two years and Base beats it in two weeks. I have the benefit of hindsight right now, but I don't know. It feels pretty obvious. That's why people have been excited about Base all along. Like a lot of the uh, L2 Base contrarians have been like, why is everyone excited? It's just another like optimism fork. Like it's nothing mm. new. And then everyone, the, the base, you know, bulls are like, what do you mean? It's nothing new. It is the largest exchange, the uh, largest U.S. public company exchange with their own layer two. Of course, they're going to pump the hell out of it. And they have the marketing reach. Uh, and so we're seeing, I think, the base bulls uh, take a victory lap here. Well, I would say it, uh, you know, a lot of things in crypto do not live up to the hype. I would say even among the people who are hyping it, base is kind of lived lived up up to the the height, at least uh, to this point in time. Um, This is a post from Will Sheehan. One million trades on friend.tech in the last... uh, Two weeks. In less than two weeks. That's that's incredible. So would this be sort of Base's first breakout app? It's all friend.tech? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. These are the Dune boards, David. What are we looking at here? Um, this is fascinating. Uh, Roll-up economics. What uh, What do you see in these charts? Yeah, this is just some great bankless candy right here. Uh, this is why we've been bullish on uh, Layer 2s fundamentally. is because their economics just check out. Uh, and so this is an economic dashboard from Nifty Table. Shout out to Nifty Table. Thank you for putting this uh, dashboard together. Uh, they've got a newsletter at 0xtrends.com if you want to sign up. Um, so, okay, so on the top left, on-chain profit. This is how profitable these roll-ups are. Uh, and you can see, like, kind of like why I was pointing, like, yeah, sure, there's a bunch of bots on ZK Sync Era, but they're paying ZK Sync Era a ton of money. That's real revenue into the org, bot, yep. bot or not. Followed by base. This is uh, for the month of August of 2022. Followed by base profitability and then OP mainnet and Arbitrum. And so this is the transaction fees that the roll-ups are charging minus the cost of publishing transaction data to the Ethereum layer one is the yep. profit. And that is what you are seeing on the left in Ether terms and on the right in dollar terms. And then if you go scroll down, it'll kind of just walk you through the costs and also the revenue, just all the economics that make a, make a roll-up a roll-up. 
Uh, and so um, as just this is the Dune dashboard that basically articulates the economic case for layer twos. Uh, and as you can tell, they are extremely profitable. So in aggregate between Arbitrum, Optimism, Base, and ZK Sync Era, all of them combined together, profited 3,000 Ether so far in August, in the first three weeks of August. 3,000 um, Ether yeah. in August. What would that translate to? 3,000 times? Uh, almost $8 million. Almost $8 million. $8 million. Dollars. Thank you to I, the uh, US dollar chart on the right here. <laughs> what, I, what I love about this, David, is um, you know, in, in so many, I guess, crypto economic models that are obfuscated or, or hand-waved away, this is like real tangible on-chain revenue. And the mm-hmm. business model for roll-ups for layer twos could not be more simple. What do right. they do? Ethereum is a wholesaler of Ether block space, Ethereum mm-hmm. block space. Roll-ups purchase that and they resell it for more. They are a value-added reseller, and then they make a profit on that resale. Mm -hmm. And that's how they generate 3,000 ETH worth of value Mm -hmm. in one month. It's a really freaking simple business model. I mean, like a lot of technology here, a lot of work to get the kind of the network effect, but what what do roll-ups do? They take layer one block space, Ethereum block space, and they resell it for a profit. That's Mm -hmm. what they do. Mm -hmm. So Ethereum layer one is Costco, and all of the options roll-ups <laughs> are your local grocery store that goes to Costco, buys the goods, restaurants, un- unpackages yeah. it. Yeah, restaurants. Yeah, like your, your local distribution center, wherever yeah. that is. Uh, yeah, Ethereum is The Costco. Costco of blockchains. Wow. <laughs> <Costco> of blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> the new narrative watch. It's, it's coming from Bankless. No Let's longer ultrasound money. Uh, this is a graphic that I saw going through uh, crypto Twitter last week that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, the current layer two landscape, I think this already needs updating because there's definitely some extra OP, tech, OP stack chains that aren't in here. But these yeah. are all the layer twos that are uh, deployed to Ethereum and then also the ones that are scheduled to be deployed, things like Scroll, Tyco, some other ones I'm not familiar with. Uh, so you can see just like the StarkX ecosystem, the ZK stack ecosystem, the OP stack ecosystem, and then like the ones that don't have shared code bases like Arbitrum, StarkNet, Aztec Connect, etc. cetera, Linea. Where's Polygon? Oh, I see it. No shared code base up here, huh? Yeah, that section. should be changing soon. So the scheduled not live immutable ZK EVM, I'm pretty sure that is a Polygon ZK EVM. So the Polygon will have its own ecosystem. I don't know about the no shared code base between Arbitrum Nova and Arbitrum 1. I thought that yeah. that was a shared code base. Um, TBD on the accuracy of this whole thing, but this is like the spread of the layer twos. And there's a lot of them is the point. There's a lot of them in each of these. uh, This is kind of a a new thing to to take a look at taking shape. Each of these, I think, will become super chains in and of themselves. Networks Mm -hmm. of chains, Mm -hmm. uh, I believe. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more maybe at the end of the show. Uh, David, some market news here. Let's get back to why there was this massive down a candle right after we recorded the roll-up last week. Um, did okay, we so say I said, something I said, wrong? Uh, Bitcoin happened? is at 26000 at the time of recording, yeah. and it dumped down to 25200 Ether that dumped was like, below 1550 That so happened last we call, Thursday. We call this a wick or a flash crash. Yeah, so it happened last Thursday the 17th, we I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why? Why did this happen? Uh, so there were rumors that uh, Bitcoin was dumped by Elon Musk uh, from SpaceX. So thanks, Elon. Turns out that was unsubstantiated. The actual reason was leverage. <laughs> it was leverage. leverage. It was uh, we did one leverage. of those things again? Yes. Yes. A bunch of apes loaded up on leverage and then the buyers ran out and the sellers kept on selling and then we dumped and then there was a cascade of liquidations. So over a billion dollars 
was uh, liquidated on Thursday, both shorts and longs, which just tells you exactly how degenerate some of this, some corners of this industry is. Um, That's all it was. There's no conspiracy. There's no, no like big event. Nope. No news. Nope. It was just like when apes pile in and too much leverage. This is what we get. Uh, so eight hundred and thirty-five million dollars of longs were liquidated, along with almost two hundred million dollars of shorts. Mm. Um, so you can blame the apes uh, for that one. Thank you. Candles like that, I don't remember when I zoom out, but because I remember doing, we do these every week, David. So mm-hmm. I remember this happening probably like five or six times. Yeah, candles yeah, like this. This is a regular celebration, just a cleansing yeah. of the apes. Yeah, it's like oh, it we're, is. A, we're, it is a cleansing. Yeah, and uh-huh. well, I, they, I guess, they'll be back. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> the good news is now you can buy lower <laughs> yes, <laughs> if you're yes. bullish on these assets. Yeah. So thank uh-huh. you, apes. This was uh, the largest liquidation event since FTX. Really? So. There's a fun That's for you. pretty freaking big. It's not not small. Yeah, go back uh, go back one tweet. You can you can compare the candles. Uh, half as big, I would say, as uh, one. No, that you had the right tweet. Half as big oh, as one? FTX. So FTX had maybe a double. Uh, is FTX way back yeah, here? That's that's the FTX. Yeah, almost an FTX worth. Huh? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. just leverage. Apes yep. being apes. Yep. David, uh, you know, I spent the morning reading a fantastic Arthur Hayes article. Oh, uh, please, really interesting. please download me. I didn't. Yeah, I mean, you got to read it yourself. I can't okay. like put put this man's uh, words into um, into my own, but Do I will give you the punchline. For me, let me give the you the punchline. Nation. Yeah. All right. So he says this: the Fed wants to cool U.S. domestic inflation, but the more they simultaneously raise rates and reduce their balance sheet, the more stimulus will be handed to rich asset holders. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the Rock more they place. do this thing, yes, the more they raise rates, the more they do the quantitative tightening thing. The key thing is the more stimulus will be handed to rich asset holders. That's his thesis. And he justifies it through the rest of the article. Um, one interesting stat here, David, remember we were talking about how interest payment, how high interest payments are for uh, the government, for the U S government, because they've raised their rates, Right. So the Fed is they have a bunch of debt and they raise rates. Yeah, Yeah, the U.S. government has to pay interest on all of their debt, and they have a lot of freaking debt. And so now they they have to pay themselves. (laughs) Right, right. rather than like one or two percent interest, they now have to pay over five percent interest. All right, (laughs) this amounts to a lot of money. So this is the federal current government uh, expenditures interest payments. Right, and we talked about that in a previous. uh, um, We talked about that in the previous rollout. So as of uh, the second quarter, 2023, the U.S. Treasury will be handing out close to one trillion in interest payments to debt holders. Hmm. One trillion. That's why rates are so high. And Arthur contends that this effectively becomes a rich person stimmy check. Okay? Oh, because an asset who, holder stimmy check, right? An asset holder stimmy check, yeah. right? And who are the asset holders disproportionately? Obviously, people are wealthy. Pro- people probably who, listeners of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, people who are not living paycheck to paycheck. People yeah. who have some spare assets to invest, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, we're talking about like top 10% mm-hmm. types of individuals. And so effectively, this $1 trillion per year, David, it goes to them. And what are they going to do with it? This is what Arthur is saying. They're going to, they're not going to buy, they're going to buy more assets because what do they need most? You know, maybe some services, maybe some kind of luxury uh, vacations, that sort of thing. Maybe some college tuition. I don't know. But the rest of that goes into assets. That's why property uh, values are rising. That's why asset prices continue to increase in this um, higher interest rate environment. 
and he calls this kind of the, the rich person uh, stimulus check. So what we end up getting here, David, is interest rates are up, but so are asset prices, and so uh, wealth inequality continues to increase. It just feels like the pot is getting closer and closer to that boiling point. Mm. And uh, what is the next era, the next phase of this? Well, actually, there was a, a Fed official from the St. Louis Fed who wrote a fantastic paper that I've skimmed, but I'm getting ready to read this weekend um, because, it, you know, it looks fantastic. That's what, that's what Ryan does on weekends. Seriously. I mean, they're, they're spelling it out. And he talks about this new era of uh, fiscal dominance. OK, that is the, the key phrase here. And fiscal dominance occurs when the central bank must set up policies not to maintain stable prices, but to ensure the federal government can afford to fund itself in the debt market. What this means is the central bank is no longer in charge and um, the fiscal government spending is more in charge and they are going to have to print more money. This is following the trajectory of like Bank of Japan uh, kind of thing. Anyway, the net of this is, as you could expect, more money printing Asset prices continue uh, to rise. Uh, you know, the Fed and the U.S. government really painting itself in, in, into a corner. This is not like the 1980s when we raised interest rates there because our debt to GDP was something like 40%, and now it's 130%. So that is maybe a, a taste of uh, the article. And, uh, you know, as always, I found it tremendously insightful. Well, thank you for distilling that, brother. I feel bullish. <laughs> on what though? Uh, my takeaway is that I am bullish on assets. There you go. Specifically, risk, risk on assets. There you go. Non in crypto assets that aren't yeah. tied to fiat. Um, mm-hmm. David, what's this? What are we looking at here? Yeah, just something to add to the markets. Uh, Lido staked Ether, Mantle, um, formerly BitDAO, which uh, got funded out of this Bybit exchange. So this Bybit exchange was just printing money throughout the bull market they realized that, hey, eventually the best case thing to do is to decentralize. So we're going to make BitDAO. And so we had the centralized exchange that slowly evolved over time to what we now know as the Mantle ecosystem. Really cool story. Uh, Regardless, uh, Xerox Mantle has staked 40,000 Ether from their treasury, the BitDAO treasury, to stake Ether with Lido. So that is a big dub for Lido. 40,000 Ether into the Lido Lido staked Ether supply. Uh, So uh, congrats to Lido. This DAO as well, the Mantle DAO, has a ton of Ether on the balance sheet. It's like, yeah, uh, 40,000 is not all of it. It's like a few like hundred a thousand minority of, the, of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're investing yeah. a lot of this into the, into the, Mantle, into the Mantle ecosystem. ecosystem. Mantle uh, is a sponsor of Bankless. Disclaimer. David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, one of the Tornado Cash co-founders, developers, was arrested and the other sanctioned. Oof. So bad day. We're going to talk about these details and the significance of them and what they represent in the Crypto Wars 2.0, which does not seem to be ending anytime soon. Um, Ethereum about to launch a brand new testnet. This is the Denkun testnet. So EIP4844 is on the horizon. Mm. Uh, layer 2s, a bunch of new upgrades in Layer 2 week. The Layer 2 summer continues to go on. There's an airdrop to talk about that you need to claim. There is a new exploit that we have to talk about. Uh, so all of this and more coming up as soon as we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken, our preferred exchange for crypto in 2023. If you do not have an account with Kraken, consider clicking the link in the show notes to get started with Kraken today. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join 
thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. You know Uniswap, it's the world's largest decentralized exchange with over $1.4 trillion in trading volume. You know this because we talk about it endlessly on Bakeless. It's Uniswap, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap Labs just released the Uniswap Mobile Wallet for iOS, the newest, easiest way to trade tokens on the go. With a Uniswap wallet, you can easily create or import a new wallet, buy crypto on any available exchange with your debit card with extremely low fiat on-ramp fees, and you can seamlessly swap on Mainnet, Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism. On the Uniswap mobile wallet, you can store and display your beautiful NFTs, and you can also explore Web3 with the in-app search features, market leaderboards, and price charts, or use Wallet Connect to connect to any Web3 application. So you can now go directly to DeFi with the Uniswap mobile wallet. Safe, simple custody from the most trusted team in DeFi. Download the Uniswap wallet today on iOS. There's a link in the show notes. An open source developer of privacy technology was just arrested by the U.S. government. Name is Roman. Uh, there's another co-founder who has not been located but was also sanctioned. David, this is really bad news in the Tornado Cash case. Not the first time this has happened, of course. We've talked about Alexei Pertsev, who was um, arrested, I believe, over a year ago by authorities in the Netherlands. Um, but this is the first time the U.S. government is directly taking action. What went on here? What are we looking at? So before we get confused, there are two Romans that we need to talk about. There is Roman Storm and Roman Semenov. Both are co-founders of Tornado Cash. It's coincidence that their names are both Roman. Roman Storm, a resident of Auburn, Washington, not too far away from where I grew up, and then Roman Semenov of Russia. Uh, both co-founders, uh, creators um, of Tornado Cash, which is the uh, privacy tool that we have previously, I have previously used uh, to achieve privacy in crypto uh, before it was sanctioned by OFAC. Uh, the Department of Justice arrested Roman uh, Storm and OFAC has sanctioned Roman Semenov. They were both charged with U.S. federal money laundering upwards over over a billion dollars in sanctions violations. So a quote from U.S. Attorney Damian Williams says, while publicly claiming to offer a technically sophisticated privacy service, Storm and Semenov in fact knew that they were helping hackers and fraudsters conceal the fruits of their crimes. The action taken against Semenov and Storm was part of the government disrupting the ability of North Korea to raise funds through illicit activity and was aimed at protecting the integrity of our financial system, including the virtual currency ecosystem. So Brian Klein, who's a famous attorney, a pro-crypto attorney who has uh, done some landmark cases in the crypto ecosystem, is the attorney for Roman Storm. Uh, his statement is, we are incredibly disappointed that the prosecutors chose to charge Mr. Storm because he helped develop software. And they did so based on the novel legal theory with dangerous implications for all software developers. Uh, Mr. Storm has been cooperating with the prosecutor's investigation since last year and disputes that he engaged in any criminal conduct. There's a lot more to the story that will come out in the trial. So basically, Roman Storm has been living inside of the United States because he's a United States citizen, being a United States developer, a cryptographer, an open source developer. And so he's lived probably with this cloud of like uh, the Department of Justice really didn't like this tornado cash thing, um, but nonetheless stayed in the United States uh, as a as a patriot of freedom, I'd say, uh, understanding that this day might come. And sadly, it sounds like this day has indeed come. Yeah, I guess uh, a few. This is definitely a gut punch, as I said earlier, for, for all of crypto. And we'll talk about the, kind of the reactions and implications. Just uh, a few points. So what you were reading from was partially a press release from the U.S. Department of Treasury. 
um, they are the ones kind of authoring the, the full press behind this. And those were some of the quotes that, that you mentioned here. And so the developers are being charged for creating and deploying the privacy mixing uh, software called Tornado. And so if you've never used privacy software before on chain, you of course know on something like Ethereum, your address is completely public, right? And so if, if that address is kind of linked to your name, somehow you have no way to like maintain your privacy. There's no SSL or HTTPS or secure encrypted communication uh, for crypto, right? All of that metadata is, is kind of leaked. So Tornado is akin to almost using encryption uh, software for money. Sort of like, I don't know, David, if you or any listeners have ever used the Signal app before, mm-hmm. right? So Signal encrypts all of your communications. This did that for money. Um, you know, failing doing that on chain, people use sort of exchanges as a mixing service. Of course, it's not completely private, but you could bounce right. your money into Kraken and uh, Coinbase and then bounce it to a new address to sort of kind of pseudo protect your anonymity but of course it's not pure privacy protection it appears that these developers did not do anything more than the deploy tornado cache code uh and 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 importantly they are not being charged for anything more than that they're not being charged for like aiding and abetting they weren't liaising with anyone they are so far as far as we know they are only being charged for being builders of Tornado Cash. Well, for deploying it, and then this this is the other key point, not taking preventative measures to mm. block North Korea uh, from accessing. So it's very clear that you know North Korea and this Lazarus group, they are unsafe reactors, they are stealing money from you know crypto hacks and bridges and that sort of thing. And they did use uh, Tornado as a privacy technology, and the charge is that these developers did nothing to block them. The question though is, it, like, how would it even be possible to right. block North Korea, okay? Remember, guys, you know crypto. This is code deployed mm-hmm. to an immutable smart contract on Ethereum. You can't stop anybody from using it. Right. How, how would you even do that? You can't mm-hmm. do that. This um, is the big missing thing from this charge from the Department of Justice is they said they could have taken preventative measures without actually, they just are waving this idea around without actually providing any details. Right, and so, uh, I mean, what a chilling effect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for American privacy developers or, or privacy technology developers worldwide. And what a betrayal to me of American values. Mm-hmm. And where does this stop? I think that's part of the question uh, that everyone is asking. So what if you run an Ethereum validator that processes one of those right. Tornado Cash transactions? What if you hold ETH, which is economic security, right? W- w- what if you tweet or do a show on crypto privacy? What if you write a tactic in the bankless newsletter on how to maintain your privacy on crypto and it mentioned Tornado Cash? I mean, like, where? Uh, that's a, we did that. We did that. I mean, so like, where, where does this stop, David? Are, are they gonna arrest Tim Berners-Lee, you know, the creator of the internet protocols? How about right. Netscape in the, you know, 1994? who designed uh, HTTPS. Remember Mark Andreessen talked about kind of Crypto Wars 1.0 when he came on the podcast? He was talking about the battle there. I mean, are the developers of internet protocols responsible for how North Korea uses the internet in order to do nefarious things that Treasury doesn't want? It's absolutely ludicrous. And I think that if if Treasury or ever any government uh, regulator in the U.S. took this type of stance towards communication messaging, the type of stance they're, they're talking about for like money over IP, if, if they took this stance for communications over internet protocol, we would have no Silicon Valley. 
we would have no free and open internet based, uh, you know, uh, largely in the U.S. today. We would have none of this innovation and economic GDP growth. It would have been completely squelched. And you know what? When I when I read this press release, you know, it was one of the most kind of almost disturbing parts of all of this. There's lots lots disturbing about this. Was how they ended it, David. Let me read yeah. to you how they freaking end this piece. I'm actually highlight it. What is the goal of all of these sanctions, these arrests and sanctions? Here, here, here it is. The ultimate goal of sanctions is not to punish, but to bring about a positive change in behavior. Get the fuck out of here. Not to punish, but bring about a positive change in behavior. You know uh, what this reminds me of? Yeah. Freaking Dolores Umbridge, right? <sighs> like, that's what this feels like. It's just, it's for your own good. We're just trying to modify. What behavior are you trying to modify? Like stripping American citizens, global citizens of their ability to access privacy, encrypt their money uh, transactions in the same way we can we can encrypt our communication transactions. Incredibly disturbing. What what are some takes from around crypto? Yeah, so Coin Center put out an article, which is uh, something that they typically do whenever something bad happens as a result of government uh, decision making. Uh, and so they say the indictment claimed the defendant's unlicensed money transmission engaged in the business of transferring funds on behalf of the public and also did so without registering with FinCEN. But also they're pointing out, does the indictment state any facts that the defendants engaged in any activities that actually qualify as money transmission under the relevant law? That's probably what um, Brian Klein, the lawyer, is going to argue is that they are uh, one side is saying, hey, you engaged in money transmission and then. The lawyer is going to be like, can you point to the time where either of these developers actually custodied or took control of any money? Because you can't. It was just Um, code. It was just code. Um, The implementing regulations of the Bank Secrecy Act define money transmission services as the acceptance of currency, funds, or other value that substitutes for currency from one person and the transmission of currency funds or other value substitutes for currency to another person or location by any means. That's a bunch of legal speak. It's basically, was Tornado Cash ever a bank or was it code? Was there any trust in these individuals? Did these two individuals have any authority or power over the direction of these funds? Or was it just code? Um, Interestingly, in 2019, FinCEN Virtual Currency Guidance, a, a paper released by FinCEN, interpreted the regulations and said that an anonymizing software provider is not a money transmitter. Freaking obviously it's not. Yes, yes. Like, so, mm-hmm. so what are they doing now here? Here's uh, Niraj on this. What's he saying from Coin Center? Yeah, so Niraj is just uh, also from Coin Center. Just basically says the obvious: Roman Storm and Roman Seminov did not accept nor transmit user funds. They never touched users' funds. You know what's the other nefarious thing about this is that what? in the indictment, in the statement from the Department of Justice, they said that the majority of money going through Tornado Cash was illicit. But interestingly, they previously admitted that only 7% of money going through Tornado Cash Mm. is is illicit. And that discrepancy between what they are saying in this document, saying the majority of funds going through Tornado Cash is all bad and nefarious. You can tell that that, they are just trying to work up a case here because of the fact that they previously said that they know that only 7%. So they, they're clearly working up a case here. Um, so, so that means, David, 93% was like presumably not illicit. It was yeah, just that was citizens some of my for, money, some of the other people's money. For privacy yeah. on chain, right? Which right. is, again, yeah. we don't have an HTTP. There is no privacy solution mm-hmm. on chain right now that can be accessible yeah. on Ethereum. And this was 
this was it. This was yeah. one of those. And there was a, not all uh, scammers and tax evaders and terrorists mm-hmm. and, and rogue states using this protocol. It's like regular right. people. They're stripping right. this uh, function out. Because I, I just want to reiterate, for, for those who aren't familiar, we talked about this I don't know, months ago when it happened. Any uh, U.S. citizen is actually not permitted. It's illegal mm-hmm. for you to go use Tornado Cash right now. Mm-hmm. You cannot right. do it. It's yeah. an OFAC-sanctioned smart contract address. Yes, and the, again, going down to the base principles of why this is important is like the, the line, the classic line is like, why do you need privacy if you have nothing to hide? Um, of course, I think bankless <sighs> listeners don't need to be have that these arguments reiterated. Like when I use Tornado Cash, it's not because I have a skeleton to hide. Like I just want to hide my bad <laughs> trades and my stupid NFTs that I bought on one particular address. And when I send you money, I don't want you to be able to see any Guys, of my hidden stuff. Guys, it's just like I think if you uh, there's somehow this norm that we don't have around financial privacy. But mm-hmm. but you know, flip it around messaging. Imagine if the government could open up every single email, every right. single commu- every single message yeah. that um, you send to your, your friends or your wife or your family, and they had like read access to all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what you have without privacy on chain. I will note too, this 7% of Tornado Cash's legal um, activity. You know, I was looking at estimates for, do you know actual physical cash? What percent mm. estimates, experts estimate uh, of that is kind of uh, illegal or tax evading? Do you I'm know what that number is? Higher than seven. It's 30%, David. Oh, whoa. Physical cash. Whoa. Maybe we should outlaw. I don't want to well, give them ideas. They are, <laughs> they are trying to that. do that. They are also trying to do that. Okay, so Seth from Privacy, another tweet from him says, the logic, so that he's quoting, um, he's got, got a picture of the, uh, the document and says, as discussed below, this is a statement from the government. The failure to implement AML KYC facilitated the ability of customers of the Tornado Cash Service to transfer criminal proceeds between addresses on the Ethereum blockchain without being traced. And then importantly, Seth says, who's a lawyer, says, the logic that non-custodial services must implement KYC AML without, is without prior legal precedent. There has never been any statement or precedent ever that non-custodial financial services have to, re- have to enforce KYC AML. Oh, uh, so it's one of those, how do you find out this is illegal? It's like right. we arrest it's you. This. We show up yes. to your house and arrest you. Yes, exactly. There's exactly. not actually a law about this. Yeah. I will say, okay, so there's one new thing. So we've, we've, as a industry of cryptographers, who are we, we are downstream, the cryptocurrency industry is downstream of the cryptographers that have come before us in the 80s, 90s, and early thousands. We've already fought cryptography wars 1.0. Um, why are we doing cryptography wars 2.0? Because oh. as David's saying, cryptography itself, like encryption technology mm-hmm. itself, the thing that we take for granted every day, it used to be on the US munitions list. Right. It could not be a technology that was exported. Right. It's illegal for citizens to use. And we changed that with the birth of the internet. That's what you mean by crypto wars yes. 1.0. Exactly. So we've done this before. Why are we doing it again? Well, because now we have the addition of cryptocurrency. So now there's this new form factor and the government thinks that it gets to have a second attempt of making cryptography illegal or at least this particular implementation. So the addition of financial assets is the novel thing here. And this is where the TORN token, the Tornado Cash token, actually has a a story to play here. Uh, So again, Seth from Privacy focuses on one of the uh, elements in the documents here. Uh, and says that this is most assuredly where the court will focus on profit motives as there was a clear profit at stake for the founders indicted here. Without torn, I doubt that there will be any case at all made by the U.S. government. And so inside of the document, there's a section that says, in connection with the creation of Tornado Cash DAO, 
the Tornado Cash founders made a public announcement of the creation of a new token on the Ethereum blockchain called the Torn token and created approximately 10 million Torn tokens. Pursuant to a formula created by Roman Storm and Roman Seminov, the defendants, approximately 30% of Torn tokens were distributed to the three founders and to certain investors in the Tornado Cash service, and including some venture capital firms. Uh, and so they were able to profit what off of what the Department of Justice is saying uh, is promoting uh, illicit, illegal activities that violate FinCEN. And so that profit motive is a new variable in what is now Crypto Wars 2.0. It's that, the strongest part of their case. If there was yes. no token, this would this case would be a whole lot weaker. Yes. Uh, and so this is why we are thinking that we are doubling down on this whole Torn thing. But uh, what did Torn actually govern over uh, Tornado Cash? Could it could it have removed money from the pools? Could it have directed any money? The answer is unequivocally, no, it could have not done that. There were some very small surface areas that Tornado Cash, the Torn token governed over. One of them was the relayers. I think you could uh, approve or unapprove relayers. I think that was the big one. Uh, but really, there was no material control over Tornado Cash. In fact, uh, Tornado Cash governance broke not too long ago uh, from an exploit. Uh, I remember. I remember. Don't know if you remember that story, but basically, Tornado Cash governance is now completely corrupt because of an exploit yeah, that happened. They couldn't do anything about it. They didn't right. have control. Yet the, the pools still live on. So it's yeah. actually proof that the Tornado Cash token is completely adjacent to the actual details of the protocol. Well, and how far back do you kind of go around that too? Uh, again, Ethereum stakers, uh, Ethereum mm-hmm. validators uh, right. received some fractional proceed of right. a, tor- a Tornado Cash transaction. And so mm-hmm. there's a you know profit there. Like, I mean, so do you make Ethereum illegal and validating illegal? I don't know where this road leads. This yeah. is Jake Chervinsky. I'm struggling to think of something, anything useful to say about this tragic mistake that is the DOJ's decision to treat privacy and speak and speech as crimes. I'm blank. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah when Jake Stravinsky is blank, oof. Yeah, that when, make he, feel good. when he runs out of words, um, the, the treatment of privacy and speech as crimes. Let's remember what code is and why we won Crypto Wars 1.0 is because encryption technology code is speech. It's just math. It's, just math. it's speech, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we have protection of free speech, at least in our Western liberal democracies, or, or I guess so we believe. Um, Jake continues, privacy is normal, code is speech, the right to anonymity is essential to a free society. These are fundamental principles embodied in the U.S. Constitution. He ends with this take, in time I'm confident they will be confirmed by the judiciary, even if today they were ignored by the executive. So he thinks we still have a case to make on the judiciary side. Do you remember when we first uh, met with Jake? Um, he, he, he said, I think all of this ends with U.S., uh, you know, versus crypto in some sort of Supreme Court case, mm-hmm. right? And he thinks yeah. that that's where we'll have to make our stand. And um, I mean, we're getting closer to that, I suppose. Yeah. So a tweet that I put out in response to this is, cryptography is the language of truth. A stance against cryptography is a denial of reality. Arresting those who write cryptography is futile. It merely causes unnecessary harm while resisting the inevitable. And this is what I would say is emblematic of the friction between large-scale authority, coercive government, and I say coercive relatively neutrally, because like that's how a government works, mm-hmm. and then also the rights and the power of the individual. Cryptography is just applied mathematics. And when you construct cryptography in many different ways, infinite different ways, one of those ways of construction, just like building blocks, just like adding some numbers together, you can get a system like Tornado Cash. 
Tornado Cash is just math, and it's just deployed on a crypto economic system called Ethereum. There's no politics about that. It is an expression of numbers, and you cannot make that illegal. And the reason why the government is trying to make that illegal is because it's looking at that thing, and it's so cryptography so powerful that it appears like magic to people. And so that disconnect of understanding, it's seriously just misunderstanding that is what is allows them to have room to make this arrest. I think I think uh, I, I want to add to that take, right? Because you said it's a applied math and somebody might say, yeah, but you know, like nuclear weapons are just applied physics. I think mm. the difference with cryptography is that it is a defensive technology only. It is mm. not an offensive, yeah. aggressive weapon. It is more like a wall that you build right. and and it is a tool for the individual mm-hmm. a individual person can have a piece of communication that cannot be decrypted by anybody like not even the the nsa not even Mossad. right the full brunt of government power and spending cannot break an individual's uh, ability to encrypt some communication and keep that secret it is a defensive technology for the people essentially and that's what's at stake here. And that's what makes it even more insidious, I think. This is Amin Soleimani. Just so you get a picture of uh, who this guy is. Which Roman is this, David? Who are we looking at? This is Roman Storm at ETH Denver this most recent year. Looks like a regular kind of crypto ETH dev mm-hmm. um, standing next to you. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you've seen him around yeah. at conferences, David. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe without knowing it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's a yeah. normal looking guy. Again, he's from Auburn, Washington. That's like... 30 minutes away from where I grew up. So what do we do about this? What do we do about this? This is Hameen Soleimani, GM. I would like to talk to the manager. <laughs> he, he thinks we should go full Karen on this and we should raise a ruckus. I don't know exactly what that looks like. Well, um, no, that, that's the picture that he's, uh, that he's showing. He's like, how to it? file a petition removing mm-hmm. someone from the OFAC sanctions list. So Amin is asking you, I'll go do this after we uh, conclude here today, Ryan, to file a petition. It's like, hey, let's get Roman Semenov off of the OFAC list. Uh, Roman Storm is in jail. Uh, Roman Semenov is on the OFAC list. Can you do so we that? Can at least, we can file a petition, sure. What else can we do? I mean, we'll do that, but just that will go into, you know, I, I want to know like legal defense groups to fund. There's always like mm. Coin Center and, you know, Blockchain right. Association doing great work. Um, We've got to figure out some other calls to action here, but maybe this is related to this, David, because I know Coinbase has been working on this. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about an update to this court case because it's 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 definitely related. Yeah, it's related and also bad, also negative. So this is the uh, lawsuits against Tornado Cash. So um, way back when, after Tornado Cash was added to the OFAC sanctions list, there was the mass dusting of people out of the Tornado Cash contract address, which if you are a US citizen and you received any of this dust, that made you violate OFAC sanctions list because the law makes no effing sense. Um, it doesn't account for the idea that a smart contract, if deemed illegal, can go touch you if somebody else uses the logic of that smart contract to send you money, which is exactly what happened. It's like uh, if you got a, an envelope with something bad in it and somebody in mail, dropped yeah. that in your mailbox, you would be uh, legally responsible for that. Yes, and so there are a handful of um, people suing the Department of Treasury uh, over this. Um, and so this uh, Coinbase is sponsoring one of them. Uh, Coin Center is sponsoring me. I'm the other one. Uh, and so this is not my case. Uh, this is the Coinbase-sponsored case uh, where I think the t- TLDR is that the United States Treasury has won one of these lawsuits. Coinbase mm-hmm. is going to appeal this. 
uh, but the tweet here is uh, the district court in the Van Loon versus Department of the Treasury. Uh, that Van Loon name sounds familiar. That, that'll be Preston Van Loon, who is one of the co-founders of Prismatic Labs. Um, the related suit challenging the OFAC sanctions has held in favor of the U.S. government on the merits, meaning that the Treasury wins and the sanctions designations are upheld. Uh, this uh, tweet goes through the logic here. Three main points. The Tornado Cash is an entity, so it can be designated under sanctions regulations. We, the crypto industry, want Tornado Cash to not be an entity. We want it to just be code because of how because it is. Because that's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, in an association composed of its founders, developers, and the DAO, a body of persons who have combined to execute the common purpose of developing, promoting, and governing Tornado Cash. See, you can start to see where the TORN token and the Tornado Cash DAO start to be a, ver a relevant variable here. So that's the fir uh, first of three uh, reasons. OFAC's determination, here's the second, that smart contracts constitute property under the applicable regulations is not plainly wrong, so the court will defer to that determination. In particular, regular contracts are property under the regulations, and so therefore, smart contracts are just code-enabled species of unilateral contracts. That's How many things can you get wrong? I mean, <sighs> like, you can make a smart contract that is a property. So an NFT, for example, is a smart contract, and I own NFTs. And so that is my property. But I don't own a Tornado Cash, even though it is also a smart contract or a system of smart contracts, because you need to take the thing in facts and circumstances. Like calling something a smart contract doesn't tell you much about what that thing is. An ERC-20 token is a smart contract. An NFT is a smart contract. A DAO is a smart contract. Uniswap is a smart contract. Literally everything on Ethereum other than externally owned accounts are smart contracts. So everything on Ethereum is a smart contract. Not everything on Ethereum is property. So we need to figure this one out, treasury. Uh, so that's the second point. Uh, the third, no First Amendment conflict here has happened because the sanctions does not prohibit all expression, just an expression using one service. So this the is First about Amendment the is, our, uh, is our Freedom free speech, speech one. Yeah. Yes. So they're saying that this is okay because Tornado Cash is not a public place or forum. Uh, no problem here has been caused by a chilling effect on uh, co-developers because it only limits transactions, not writing or otherwise interacting with the code itself. Oh Saying that God. when you type in the numbers in your keyboard and those numbers happen to manifest into a valid transaction, that transaction is not speech, which we want it to be speech. I mean, it ought to be speech. It's, it seems very simple. Uh, Treasury in the U.S. government does not want an HTTPS mm -hmm. for money. Yeah, they just do not do, want yep. that, right? Yep. That is not written anywhere in the Constitution that gives them the right. Just because something's digital, they think they can surveil it. They think they can access it. Um, we don't think they they should. <laughs> we mm. don't think they can. It seems in, you know incredibly obvious to me. Mm. Uh, but they they are losing this case, and so where do we where do we go from here? So the Coinbase case is going to proceed. I think that's going to be appealed to a new court. Yep. Got the coin. Um, you also have the Coin Center case, which mm -hmm. you mentioned you are a plaintiff on, and so I am Dave, the plaintiff of. Yeah, you are uh -huh. the the plaintiff on. So it's like uh, David Hoffman versus Janet Yellen in <laughs> Treasury. Uh, that hasn't proceeded yet, so that's going forward. So we're pushing back in the court mm -hmm. system, but this 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 court ruling was a pretty major setback, and the actual yeah, we arrest don't, we don't like this one. of open source developers is uh, again another major setback here. So yeah, not so winning. Paul, Paul Graywall, the chief legal officer of Coinbase, uh, just says, 
rights are rarely secured. That is on a path that is always up and to the right. We will continue to believe the plaintiff's challenge to OFAC's tornado cash action is correct. So they're not backing down. They're just going to appeal this, and we're going to have another rodeo. Um, the instances in which I've talked to uh, two people at Coin Center, uh, both Peter and um, Niraj from Coin Center, they've both said very positive things about the progression of my case. Um, they think that they kind of revealed that Treasury actually didn't really understand what they were getting into. Um, I can't really say too much, but positive sentiments, but we don't really know um, until the day actually comes and the ruling is ruled upon. Um, so plenty of reasons to be optimistic about it. Guys, uh, we'll try to come back next week with some more substantial action items for you and places you can donate, things you can do. But definitely there'll be a place to contact your representatives if you live in the U.S. If you don't live in the U.S., look, um, I think the battle will be fought in your jurisdiction as well. And uh, so look at the U.S. as kind of a bellwether for some of these things because if it's not there, it's coming to a jurisdiction near you. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. On to more jovial notes. Uh, friend.tech continues to shake with uh, crypto Twitter. Um, we, Ryan, put out a tweet saying, is friend tech good or bad? Uh, because people have opinions on this. Friend tech is not universally loved by everyone. Uh, and so there's a bunch, of, a bunch of division about whether the structure of friends is actually something that we want to promote. Uh, we did an entire episode on this because I thought it was a pretty good conversation. So a uh, 45-minute episode, that episode came out yesterday if you just want the update on friend tech. Um, but I think the TLDR is that friends has started to attract outside influencers outside of crypto, FaZe Banks, Gracie Hardy from OnlyFans, Grayson Allen, an NBA player, uh, Disclosure, the DJ duo is now on there. So now we are scaling some of our crypto platforms to definitely break into mainstream society. Uh, Autism Capital put out a take that is basically saying that all of the soul and spirit of crypto is lost and a friend tech proves it. Uh, whew, Just another take. Ponzi scheme. Kind Just of another thing. Ponzi. Yep. Uh, so, like I said, if you want to listen to our takes about that, uh, there's we have a full length discussion uh, both on YouTube and on the podcast. But I think the aside from all of that, Eric Wall really sums this up best when he tweets out: "Remember when one app?" CryptoKitties took down the entire Ethereum blockchain in 2018. We just handled handled an entire Ponzi speculation on our friends like an effing breeze. (laughs) (laughs) Absolute progress. And this is uh, him showing uh, Brian Armstrong tweet out that base hit 16 transactions per second yesterday and not a single hiccup, neither on base nor on the Ethereum layer one. So for those that have been here around since CryptoKitties, progress, progress. It's definitely worth celebrating. We don't have time to get into this story today, but there's still some question as to whether Binance is in trouble or not. Here's the Wall Street Journal, a headline. Binance, the biggest crypto player, is facing legal risks over Russia. So the question, I think, is you know, Binance is, is facing all of this investigation by the U.S. government. Um, this one in particular, that Binance was essentially serving uh, OFAC-sanctioned Russian oligarchs, not doing proper AML KYC and abiding by U.S. Uh, regulation. And so Binance, of course, denied that claim. There's some other things in the works, though, too. I think Travis Kling signed that. I think Travis Kling sums this up pretty well. Um, there's some pretty wild action in the BNB token. Uh, the BNB token wild, was down. Wild but, negative action. Yeah, wild. It's down bad. Let me just say this. This is BNB on the month. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What's this down, down about? It's down 33%. 30%. Yeah. And Travis Kling says, not sure what's going on. Uh, Binance was sued by the SEC on numerous charges, sued by the CFTC, had three senior executives quit, had a billion-dollar collateral hole in Binance peg BUSD, had Paxos, forced them to wind down BUSD, got kicked out of Canada, Germany, Oof. Netherlands, Belgium. Oof. About to be charged by the DOJ. Oof. Strong evidence of massive money laundering, terrorist Oof. financing allegations under investigation in France for aggregated 
money laundering, had their Oof. auditor quit and remove attestation. Like Oof. I could go on. All right. Yeah, and and Travis does go on. So there's a lot that uh, has surfaced. But I think the big question in my mind is like, who do you trust more? Uh, CZ, a crypto banker or the U.S. government? And <laughs> I don't know. That's a hard one right it's, now. Yeah. I, uh, can't I can't tell. I can't tell whether this is like a, a mini SBF going on because um, it's not quite like SBF. It can't be or Binance right. would already be wiped out. Or is this Western government persecution of yet another crypto company? Like I trust both? neither of them, David. Neither Maybe, both? I don't I, know. You know what? I opt out to DeFi. <laughs> I will stick stick my continue sticking with the Ethereum layer one and perhaps some layer twos, you know? Oh my, what's I, going on? I opt into ignoring all of these things, and CZ can just deal with whatever hole he is in, and if he's not in a hole, then congrats. Well, the rest of this episode is all good news. Let me just say yeah. that. So, David, Actually, what do we have very, coming up next? That is very, very true. <laughs> the rest of this episode is absolutely awesome. Okay, uh, so Farcaster on mainnet. You maybe didn't know that Farcaster wasn't on mainnet. We'll talk about what that means. No, not the Ethereum layer one. Which layer two did they pick? Everyone place your bets. Uh, moving on from that, a new airdrop. Did you qualify? We'll find out. Uh, some EIP 4844 updates. Circle and Coinbase strike a deal. Uh, and first squad staking block gets shipped to mainnet, gets verified. So much good stuff. So stick around for all the happy side of this weekly, weekly roll-up because we saved all the good stuff uh, after the bad stuff, of course, because that's what you do. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into all that good stuff. But first, I'm going to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially MetaMask Portfolio. If you are in the middle of setting up your bull market battle station like I am, MetaMask Portfolio is perhaps a place to get started. Go check them out. There's a link in the show notes. Are you a MetaMask user? Well, you're listening to Bankless, so of course you are. The wallet you know and love just got a whole lot better. MetaMask Portfolio is the ultimate one-stop shop for all of your crypto needs. It gives you a holistic view of your crypto portfolio across multiple chains and multiple addresses all at once. You can easily view and manage all your coins, tokens, and NFTs in one convenient place just by connecting your wallet. MetaMask Portfolio goes beyond just viewing your portfolio, though. Inside the portfolio, you can do all the incredible money verbs that make DeFi so powerful. You can buy, swap, bridge, and stake your crypto assets with ease. It's like having a powerful battle state for all your DeFi moves right at your fingertips. So if you're looking to do more in Web3 your way, MetaMask Portfolio is the answer. I already know that you have MetaMask Wallet, so go check out your MetaMask Portfolio. Learn more at metamask.io slash portfolio. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1 with flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now, Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own Layer 3, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you are a developer, enterprise, or user, Arbitrum Orbit lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. So visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app with Arbitrum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Coinbase and Circle are formally melding what was previously set. There's a middle ground called the Center Consortium of Governance over Circle. It's no longer needed because Coinbase is taking an equity stake in Circle. Uh, 
Uh, so uh, we're eliminating the whole center consortium. And so now Coinbase and Circle are banding together. Wow, that is a powerhouse. And for um, those of you guys that don't know, Circle and Coinbase, they had this project together called USDC. You know that old stable coin. That's well, the no, thing. now that that used to be just Circle's project. Now mm-hmm. it is both of their projects. There you go. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So USDC, it's on six different blockchains. Launching between September and October will be Base, Cosmos, uh, Near, Optimism, Polygon, and Polygon. all the chains. Doing all, all the, the chains. chains. All the chains. David, okay. is this good news from for EIP four eight four four? And give me a, a quick refresher on what. Like, why mm-hmm. I know that EIP by number? <laughs> EIP 4844. First, we had 1551559. Uh, that's in the rear view mirror. That one's now called Ethereum. And now that was the burn. That was the burn. Okay, 4844. We have the Ethereum layer one block space, which is what you know and love. But we are going to get blob space. What is blob space for? It is this uh, first class. It is this place for rollups to submit their state routes to. It is going to be extremely cheap for layer twos, for rollups, to leverage so that they can be the best versions of themselves. It is basically the cheapest version of block space that is dedicated for layer twos to submit their state route to. And so it's basically going to take off the brakes of all layer twos. And so layer twos are all about to get orders of magnitude cheaper. And this is proto-dank sharding, EIP-4844. We have another order of magnitude beyond that called full dank sharding, but first you have to get to proto-dank sharding. Um, why is it called proto-dank sharding? Well, because there's proto-lambda and dankrad created proto-dank sharding. Oh my um, God, this is yeah, so I, I know, mainstream ready. Huge nerds. We don't need, well, eventually all of this stuff will just become Ethereum and we don't even need to talk about it. It's just all you need to know is it's cheap block yep. space. Just like last EIP, mm-hmm. that, that one 1559 that you mentioned, David, that mm-hmm. was the burn. We're going to burn, burn our ETH. Yeah. This one, rollups are getting real cheap. Getting That's real what's cheap, happening. Yes. Anyways, the new, so that was the background for 4844. <laughs> what's, the, what's the actual news? Yeah. The news is there's a testnet. Uh, so Yay. the Dankun testnet is live. This is per getting to be one of the last steps before actual Dankun gets shipped. Um, Feels spe- like this year? My speculation, my, not anyone else's. Don't yeah. quote me because I'm not yeah. an authority here. I'm nope. just a podcaster. Yeah, he knows nothing. November-ish of 2023. <laughs> it's November! Yay! November is where Bank I'm placing confirms. my bets. Yeah, so 4844, uh, Dankun, that's what we're hoping for for, no, for November. Uh, okay, huge. Uh, moving on, Eigenlayer. Uh, so it, Eigenlayer re- increased their liquid staking cap. So every time Eigenlayer re- uh, updates their staking cap for how much Ether you can actually deposit into Eigenlayer, it immediately gets filled. Uh, they released a new cap. They raised their cap uh, and to another 100,000 of Ether to be staked with Eigenlayer and immediately gets filled. So now total in Eigenlayer, we have 100,000 staked Ether from Lido, 20,000 staked Ether from Rocket Pool, 21,000 CB Ether, and then also 14,000 actual vanilla virgin, 14,000 Ether from the Beacon Chain. So every time they move the cap up, it gets filled like almost instantly. This is the restaking. We did an episode with Eigenlayer that you should absolutely check out. This is a very important primitive that that we're creating. And this is like a vacuum cleaner for ether yeah my god it's just sucking it in yeah and the cool thing is the funny i mean actually maybe it's not that cool is that what is this ether doing nothing (laughs) it's just (laughs) waiting it's just waiting it's just waiting to get restaked yeah so this is this is just showing demand for eigenlayer restaking to get restaked somewhere so all of this ether is just like waiting for some networks to spawn uh this is the first step this is like eigenlayer loading up the engine so that it can actually point its economic security 
uh, which is resaking, to any of the resaking networks that come online I soon. I swear, yeah. we will just stake, put our ether into anything. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, a, why, why are people doing this? Why are, why are people airdropping? Because yield. it's airdrops. <laughs> it's an airdrop, dude. <laughs> What's this, David? First squad block. What are we looking at? It's a tweet yeah. from you. So this is uh, the squad staking, DVT, distributed validator technology out of Obel, something that me and Ryan and many others in the Ethereum staking world are very, very excited about, uh, has been an idea for a long time. It's been on testnet for a long time. But now we had the first ever squad block proposed from EtherFi. Mm. Uh, congrats. Uh, so they use Obel and Dapnode. So what, what, what is squad staking? Uh, distributed validator technology. Say you and your friends don't have 32 ETH, but you want to stake your ETH together. So you guys all run your own node. You each put your Ether on your own node. One of you guys has the leadership position and everyone else signs off on that. Uh, and so four nodes or five nodes or three nodes can come together and the one leader node can build a block and sign it, and then all the other ones can check it. It's basically a multi-sig for ETH validators. Uh, it's very, very cool. It opens up a ton of cool new use cases. Okay, moving on. Scroll. Scroll is entering its beta phase. So after launching its Sepolia testnet, uh, this is the final stage before Scroll mainnet. So Scroll also does not have too many steps before mainnet. Uh, and so there are some ZK EVM upgrades, there are some bridge upgrades, there are some infrastructure upgrades in this update. Um, so over 100 projects have already integrated with Scroll to date. That's big. In their, in their final stages before releasing a mainnet. Uh, Another um, TM. ZK EVM layer two, right? So mm -hmm. would you say this is one of the big three? So we got ZK Sync, we've got Polygon, uh, ZK mm -hmm. Environment, and then yep. Scroll would probably be yep. the third. I mean, there's okay, others. Scroll would be the third, and then Tyco I would kind of put as a distant fourth, but definitely mentionable. Definitely, you know, big big four maybe. Um, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. David, Farcaster. We've yep. had uh, Dan Romero on the podcast talking about Web3 Social mm -hmm. uh, and Farcaster. Decentralized Twitter, can you imagine mm -hmm. that? That's what Farcaster is. Yeah, without but they, the bots, yeah. They deployed somewhere. You said to mainnet. What mainnet yeah. did they deploy to? We'll get, we'll, we'll get there. I'm going to tease this a little bit first. So Dan Romero uh, tweets out, a step closer to 100% permissionless Farcaster mm. uh, because he is retweeting a tweet talking about Farcaster hubs. Uh, so there's 30 uh, Farcaster hubs. So this is like the different ways of viewing the Farcaster protocol. They, uh, the Warpcast runs four out of 30 of them. The rest are independently run and not subsidized, so economically sustainable. If Warpcast, the main canonical app of Farcaster, disappeared tomorrow, the network would keep on running. Next up, Dan teases, Ethereum layer two mainnet migration and mm. turning off the gating to signups. So moving on to the next tweet, what... Layer that two, happened quick. Did they choose Optimism? They chose Optimism. Uh, Optimism mainnet is now going to be the home of Farcaster. Uh, so you have the many different apps that make up the Farcaster ecosystem. That's that's uh, Warpcast, that's Jam, that's Yap, uh, the, all the other apps that look at the Farcaster protocol. You have ENS as part of the stack, but then everything is ultimately going to settle down to an NFT on Optimism mainnet as the base case for people's keys. Uh, and so that is the complete Farcaster stack built on Optimism mainnet. Very cool. And uh, Oh, by the way, I yeah. have 30 invites to bankless citizens who want to come on Farcaster today. I've actually, really? uh, I've replaced Ryan. I've replaced Twitter as uh, the little spot in my home screen on my, on my phone. Really? I, you know, flicked Twitter out of there and I put uh, Warpcaster there. Uh, and so I'm hanging out in Warpcaster a little bit more. And let me tell you, the absence of bots there is 
very refreshing. Nice conversations too. The absence mm -hmm. of uh, you know toxicity. Is that yeah? There's no, that there's, there's, there's no Solana people <laughs> on <laughs> <the> Morphcast. <laughs> you should retract that, dude. You need to apologize for that one. That was too much. Do I? I don't know. Uh, the comments will tell you. Uh, okay. <laughs> what is this? A shielded mempool on optimism. Uh, what what does this mean? Yeah, so I wanted to really put this one in the agenda because of the uh, era of privacy uh, that is going around as a theme of this episode. So mm. part of the explanation as to why fighting privacy is futile is because we have other technologies like an encrypted mempool that is now coming to the Optimism mainnet and will also eventually be on the Ethereum layer one. What does an encrypted mempool do? Uh, so if you don't want people to know what the contents of your transactions are before they get included as a transaction into the blockchain, you need something called an encrypted mempool. So Shutter uh, has built a shielded mempool using threshold encryption for the modular OP stack. Uh, so this is what they are releasing into the wild today. This is a grant recipient from Optimism's retroactive public goods funding efforts. Uh, so Optimism might get a shielded mempool, an encrypted mempool on its horizon, which is extremely cool and very privacy first, very individual first. And so something that we definitely, definitely could need in this day and age. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds highly illegal to me. It sounds like this should not be allowed. <laughs> okay, Mr. Fed. <laughs> I mean, this is great, too. This is another example of, I think, uh, Layer 2's kind of pioneering the frontier. Mm -hmm. So taking that Ethereum mainnet yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, can adopt it later. And this certainly helps um, you know, uh, minimize MEV and uh, increase, yeah, increase privacy. Um, airdrops. Hey, it's airdrop season, I guess. Announcing yep. the next airdrop, a new chapter next. in cross-chain innovation. What is this? No, no, no. Not announcing the next airdrop. Announcing next airdrop. The airdrop <laughs> well, they said next. the next. Yes. So. Okay, so this is next from Connect, yeah. which is a, one of the probably the earliest and most sophisticated bridges, cross-chain roll-up bridges on Ethereum. So you can check out if you want to qualify for the Connect airdrop here in the blog that we will link in the show notes. Uh, there's a bunch of different criteria. It's too long to uh, read out. But uh, if you can also, interestingly, what's cool is you can claim next on Arbitrum or Optimism or Polygon or Gnosis. Why do you have that ability? Well, because Connect is a cross-chain bridge, so it knows what chain you claimed it on, so it doesn't matter. Uh, it's part of the uh, obfuscation and blurring the lines of all of the, uh, of all the chains. This uh, airdrop begins on September 5th, 2023. If you don't want to mark that in your calendar, you know what you should go do is you should go to Earnify, okay? Mm -hmm. So this is earn.fi. Um, this is a bankless application that yeah. is provided for free. There's a premium subscription When we say well. this is a bankless application, we mean we act, this is our application. This is yeah. our app. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's um, you know, the airdrop hunter that we talked about last week, mm -hmm. guys. This is, this is um, the sequel to that. This essentially notifies you when you receive an airdrop. So if you type in your ETH address here or connect your wallet, then you will know immediately if you if you have a opportunity at for next tokens awaiting mm -hmm. you. And not just the next airdrop, Ryan, but I was checking my email for the, you know, once per month, I check my email. Mm. And I actually uh, was notified that one of my wallets, I have not claimed the Arbitrum airdrop. And so this is a PSA for everyone out there. Arbitrum expires in one month. So if mm. you have not claimed your Arbitrum airdrop, you need to claim it in the next one month. Now, like some of you are like, oh, Arbitrum airdrop happened forever ago. Why are you bothering to tell me this on the roll-up? Well, because we know 
that there's $1.8 million of bankless citizens and or Earnify users who have not claimed guys, their harvest from airdrops. Guys, guys, what are, you, what are doing? you doing? Okay, and so now if you think that like, oh no, that can't be me. I've already claimed my Arbitrum airdrop. Have you checked all your wallets? Because you can qualify for the Arbitrum airdrop in like seven different ways. Yeah. And so the only way that you can actually like I the reason I didn't know that I had this airdrop and then I checked my email and Earnify said like hey you have $8000 you need a claim bro I'm like, oh, thank you, Ernify. Did it say bro? It should say. You idiot. You idiot. <laughs> claim, claim up. Your, <laughs> claim your Arbitrum airdrop. Oh, man. Well, those have gone up in value, to be fair. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of opportunity out there. So um, we're just trying to keep you looped on this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's a link in the show notes to Ernify, but uh, check that out. I think it's going to continue to be airdrop season. Now we're okay, okay, getting so into I've layer two airdrops. Um, yes. I, I hinted at this in previous roll-ups, and so I'll just call that back. Mm-hmm. I said that like I know for a fact that one of our portfolio companies Ryan is withholding its airdrop for more opportune parts in the market, more bullish sentiment in the market. Mm. That was connected. Oh, that was connected. Hey, well, so I think uh, airdrop appetite. Therefore, if that is a signal, to it will be back. I think it's a signal. Starkware's got some tech here, and it's open source. We like open source. What are they releasing? They are releasing their open source prover called Stone. Uh, so this is a very core component of decentralizing a ZK rollup or layer two is making the prover accessible so that anyone can produce a proof. Everyone can be a prover. Mm. Uh, and so that is a very important, critical part of every single rollup. This is what Arbitrum just did, right? Uh, no, that's fraud proofs. This, uh, this would be correlated to ZK Sync's Boojum or Polygon's Plonky. This is Starkware's Stone. Uh, and so this is a, their ZK stuff. Fraud proofs are specifically for optimistic rollups. Yeah, I know it's fraud proofs, but it's, it's same it's niche, same similar category. idea, yeah, right? Similar it's idea, like, yeah. yeah, we're proving mm-hmm. our ZK uh, spooky math, aren't we? Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, for any of the people who are in the San Francisco area or who are going to the StarkNet Summit on August 35th, Bankless Citizens, we have a 50% discount to tickets for you. So if you want to go to the Starkware Summit, make sure you show up in the Discord and we'll get you the uh, discount code for tickets. You know, all these projects we just mentioned, Opal, Eigenlayer, Scroll, Starkware, they're all going to be at Permissionless too. Yep. Uh, some yep. of them might be at the party that we mentioned yep. at the outset. Oh, they will so be. Everyone, they, everyone will be at the party. Good time to catch them. Fire now has a wallet. Fire is is a very useful extension that I now use. It basically it checks should be on your trans- tool belt. It really should because so you pair it with MetaMask mm-hmm. and it checks a transaction to see if the transaction is kind of like a phishing attempt or a scam or not, and it um, tells you exactly what the transaction actually is before like you click words. the button. Yeah, in human it's words. Nice. Anyway, um, that's a useful extension, and now they also have a wallet. I've not tried this out, but. If it's anything like their extension, I'm sure it's pretty good. So uh, there'll be a link in the show notes where you can go check that out and see if that's a, a wallet you can pair with MetaMask and some of your other wallets. Mm-hmm. David, there was an exploit this week on Balancer, yeah. though. It yeah, wasn't that bad, but just give us the TLDR. So about 1.4% of Balancer's TVL was at risk. Only certain pools, boosted pools, were affected. Um, so uh, the, some of these pools were paused to mitigate risk, and they will remain so. So if you have been uh, supplying liquidity to Balancer in boosted pools, uh, you should remove your liquidity. Um, and so it's probably the, too late for that, isn't it? It's a little it, bit too late. So the vulnerable. Well, so so this is also part of this conversation. 
Shout out to Balancer and the way that they communicated this exploit. They identified the exploit, they took precautionary action, and then they broadcasted, hey, there's a vulnerability, you need to exit these vulnerable pools without saying what the vulnerability is. So it doesn't set any black hat hackers off on a, well, it did, but they didn't give them the, the, hey, go look. the treasure map, Exactly, they didn't give them the treasure map. So um, overall, this has been like one of the best handled exploits that I think we've seen. Uh, They even built a UI while they announced the exploit to go check if you were in an infected pool and then a button to go withdraw. Wow. So like, shout out to Balancer, well done. Congrats on only having a 1.4 TVL vulnerable exploit. I guess that's worth cr- congratulations for. So, um, I don't think any money was affected. Uh, I don't. I haven't heard of anyone actually losing money. So narrow escape from Balancer. Uh, really good protocol. We love the Balancer team. Shout out Fernando. Yeah, um, they're they, they OGs. Yeah. They've been around for a while. OGs, so yeah, uh, yeah. Guy. doing a great job. Really quick in the NFT landscape. Uh, congratulations to Miladies for being number three out of the uh, 10K PFP projects category, only behind punks and apes. Uh, Miladies, wow. <laughs> I do not punks own a Milady. It's not really my vibe, but wow, here, here they are. Oh, those are them, huh? Okay, I've yep. seen those the, all Those are the, the Miladies, yeah, the, the like the weird corner of, of, I don't know even how to call it. This is weird that... I'm seeing the SEC in uh, the good news section here, but the SEC is set to greenlight an Ether future ETF. All right. It looks like that's going to happen. Uh, We haven't had one of these before. We have the Bitcoin futures ETF. Now we get an Ether futures ETF. This is Eric B from Twitter. Uh, He says, this is not surprising to us. We said they would approve an Ether's future early on in the race. Nice to be validated. What does this mean for spot? Hard to say beyond it shows that things can change. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Things can change. Even Grinches can increase, <laughs> increase the size of their hearts. Yeah. Wow, you just called Gary Gensler a Grinch. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, the so worst are, thing are, I've ever uh, said about Gary. There are 12 companies with applications for an ETH futures ETF. ProShares, yeah. Volatility Shares, Bitwise, Roundhill among them. Uh, I, the SEC is not supposed to play Kingmaker, but I they not, do. I'm but not they do. The, uh, I'm not the SEC. <laughs> no, but you're not. If you are going to partake in this game, I recommend Bitwise. They are crypto natives. They are one of us. Who the hell knows anyone from pro shares or volatility shares? That sounds like some <sighs> boomer shit. So if you're going to buy some uh, ETH futures <laughs> ETFs, do it through Bitwise. They're our friends. Wow. We just criticized uh, Gary for being a kinmaker, king and here's David from Bankless. I, like, I, I know. I'm not, I'm not Gary. I do not play. I don't have, I'm not beholden to his rules. <laughs> Speaking of not being beholden to the rules, you like that segue? Here's SPF. Yeah. Here's a picture of him. <laughs> He's pleaded not guilty. For fraud and money laundering charges, because of course he would. Uh, mm-hmm. He's also on bread and water. Do you know that? So he's a he's a vegan in prison. They won't uh, comply with his diet, so he has um, what? just been I on bread and water. This. I saw this in, in Normie mainstream news. I didn't even see this on crypto news, so there you go. The more you as know. A, uh, as a consumer of nutrition content, bread and water is not a recommended diet. David, he's in jail. All right, that's a... Uh, you Not know, a recommended pr- place to be. <laughs> well, thanks for these pro tips from Bankless. <laughs> All right, what do we got next? Uh, coming up next, we got Van Spencer's smell. 
Uh, we had an episode about <laughs> S-M-E-L-L, the fang of DeFi, synthetics maker Ether Link Lido. And we got a question from the nation. David, Ryan, what would you add? What about the other tokens? Hmm. Uh, so we're going to add some add some letters to Vance Spencer's smell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Keep <laughs> Sorry, it. <man>. Don't cut <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, what we're bullish on. So, and uh, we did a very cool episode on Super Change, which I think is going to be related to what Ryan and, and I are bullish on. So all of that is coming up and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Introducing ETHX from Stator. ETHX is a liquid staking token designed to maximize rewards all while securing Ethereum. With Stator, you can run an Ethereum node with just four ETH, which is 85% lower capital and 35% higher returns versus just solo staking. Stator has a multi-pool architecture with both permissionless and permission node operators to enable decentralization and scalability. Stator has extensive experience in building liquid staking solutions on six proof-of-stake blockchains and is trusted by over 70,000 stakers. Stator has partnered with over 40 leading protocols on these chains to bring DeFi utility to their liquid staking tokens. Stator is actively building integrations and partnerships across Ethereum to bring the same great DeFi utility to the ETHX token. While smart contract bugs are always a risk in DeFi, the ETHX smart contract has received three independent audits and has a million dollar bug bounty with ImmuneFi. Go to statorlabs.com ETH stake to access the Stator staking protocol today. Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. Questions from the nation this week. This one from Art Democrat, Bankless Citizen. Uh, Art Democrat's going to be at the party. I'm pretty, pretty sure Art's, Art's coming to the party. We yeah. know Art. You met, you met him in real life. Um, yeah, yeah he, was at, he was at our party in France. He's been to more bankless parties than you have, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Art Democrat. And it's a great question here. So we were talking about smell before the break. Uh, that actually stands for Synthetics Maker Ethereum Lido Chainlink. So Vance Spencer said that he was bullish on all of these tokens. We did an episode earlier this week on why the case for them. This is our Democrats question. What would you add to the smell cohort, David and Ryan, based on the, the current crypto space outlook and why? Why would you add uh, these letters, these acronyms? So yeah, what's your answer to that? I think the two obvious low hanging fruit uh, ones that come to mind is Uniswap and Aave. We talked about Uniswap in the Van Spencer episode. He said that, um, He's not convinced that liquidity inside of Uniswap is all that sticky. He mm. doesn't see a large moat around Uniswap. And I take that point. Uniswap LPs are losing money, and everyone knows it. And they probably know it too, unless they have just like been ignoring reality. Yet, they are still keeping their money inside of Uniswap. And so maybe we don't understand the moat, but there does appear to be a moat or at least no one's really leaving liquidity out of Uniswap. Uniswap has over 85% of all on-chain trading volumes going through Uniswap. It's pretty dominant. And so maybe we can't explain the moat, 
I think it, it, there's a base, there's an argument to be made that it does exist. And all that needs to happen is a few select innovations on Uniswap's own application layer, in my mind, so to like really Uniswap. help with. I like. I think it's a, it's an extremely valid contender to be considered part of the fang of DeFi. Like, come so on, it's Uniswap, bro. You smell. You smell then. You what smell. else you got? And then Give me another Ave. Letter. Ave would be the other one. A. Mm. Um, Compound is pretty stagnant. Uh, Ave is updating. It, they did have that governance uh, flip flub, governance fumble mm. uh, with the whole uh, CRV. But I mean, they're really the only ones I would say that are progressing forward meaningfully. Uh, and like there's, of course, there's a conversation of is governance going to work? Do we need more governance free primitives? But I mean, between blue the market chip. cap of Aave, it is a blue, blue chip. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everyone uses Aave. Uh, and so, um, smell plus U plus A, you smella, you smella. You smella. You smella. <laughs> Do you know, I, uh, I guess what I would add is, um, I think Vance is focused on DeFi, which is cool, but there's another... Area oh, the, the layer two tokens. Yeah. yeah. So I O P R poly. Yep. Yeah. All of these. Can we make yeah. an acronym for this? Yeah. We probably let me, can. Let me write, I mean, let me write these down. All of them, like you know, I'm more bullish on some than others based on kind of their their fully diluted valuation, where I see kind of their organic growth. Um, I hazard to share that here though, because we love all of our children equally. Um, but maybe someday we'll do an episode kind of comparing these different ecosystems, very bullish in general on layer two. So there might be some other initials to, uh, to come up with. And, you know, David, David wants his competitor for smell. So I can hear him clicking away. He's trying to figure out how you get, I got it. A, what do you got? got? What do you got? Uh, spaz, scroll, (laughs) scroll polygon arbitrum ZK sync. Oh, I don't have the O for optimism. Spazzo, spazzo. <laughs> there might be something better there. I mean, that's basically okay. all of the all of the big ones, right? Um, so uh-huh. uh, anyway, th- that that's not what Vance's portfolio is, but um, definitely bullish on some L two stuff these days for yeah, myself, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I know yeah. you are too. Okay, uh, another question from question. Nick: How worried should we be about banks gobbling up ETH and BTC through ETFs? Feels like a step backward if the majority of folks that own either of these assets actually own them through a bank instead of their own. I've got my answer to this. You want to take it? Oh, really? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with my answer. So yeah. my answer is, you know what feels like? So great question, Nick. You know what feels like a step backwards? Logging into your Fidelity account. <laughs> Logging into your E-Trade account, okay? So like that's where you have to purchase these ETF assets. Mm-hmm. They're not programmable. You can't do anything with them. You could just look at them in like side the Fidelity price tracking app. So I would contend that it's net accretive to crypto because I don't think that the value is actually going to reside there because it's an inferior product and it's mm. an inferior um, set of rails. It's in TradFi. It's in the old banking system. And these are crypto native assets, right? So you want their tokenized form. So you can do things with them. You can restake them. <laughs> like you can, uh, you know, it's, stake them for the first time, you know, <laughs> you, you use them in Lido, use them as collateral for loans, like freaking, like there's so much more you can do with them. I could send it to you. Uh, if I wasn't an American, maybe I could get some privacy for my, uh, you know, crypto native assets. So I don't think TradFi will be competitive against any of that. And, uh, we'll just slurp all of their liquidity and then we'll use, now I, I'll make one exception though. I don't necessarily think that holds true for Bitcoin. I think it holds true for Ether. I don't think it holds true for Bitcoin. Why? 
Bitcoin does not have a fully developed set of use cases in DeFi inside of its ecosystem. It doesn't have any developed use cases. I think it is uh, potentially more concerning for Bitcoin, although I'm still not overly concerned. But I'm not, um, I'm not concerned about that. Yeah, at all. what's your yeah. take on that? Yeah, my take is that uh, one of the lines that I liked about how just the wheels of history turn is that science progresses one grave at a time. It's a little bit dark. Um, some people are never going bankless. Some people some are people just need a- to die. <laughs> <laughs> some people are just always going to have their assets inside of their centralized sure. brokerages. They are not. They don't care to become a crypto person. No. Um, maybe their financial advisor recommends them like, hey, let's allocate 1% of your savings to crypto just because you don't have any exposure there. Uh, And because it's inside of your Fidelity account, we can just buy Ether or Bitcoin inside of your Fidelity account. Mm -hmm. And then these people will go and retire and they will go and be sipping margaritas on the island, on an island for the rest of their life and they'll never become a crypto person. Yeah. At least they're pumping our bags. (laughs) And so for all the people that are going bankless that bought Ether earlier than they did, fine. Fine. I, I love the back half of this episode, by the way. The first half of this yeah, episode first, is all about crypto values half. and like we're fighting for privacy and all these meaningful things. And the back half is like, we got some bag pumping. We're excited about that, huh? Yeah, that's, that's what bankless does. Is, uh, we actually, uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> all right, I take it the week. That uh, this one from me, although it's not my PFP. Um, the SEC wants to make every crypto asset a security. FinCEN wants to make every crypto person a money transmitter. The IRS wants to make every crypto transaction a tax event. America, please save yourselves from your regulators. I felt mm. this one strongly this week. Um, I What I think that they don't understand, they refuse to understand, is because they're, they're, I think these institutions, organizations, there's always a book you refer me to about kind of the you know nation-state apparatus. Oh, yeah, seeing like a state. Try, seeing yeah. like a state. So each of these institutions are trying to garner more and more control, and they become kind of their own like uh, autonomous slime molds. They're just, just zombies that are just seeking that. But the new thing they don't understand is that this is disintermediated. This is peer-to-peer. Mm-hmm. All right. Right. So even when you look at kind of the, you know, treasury stance against these tornado cash developers, right, they keep thinking of them as custodians, as if they're institutions and they're not. This is peer to peer, peer to peer digital money. It's a new thing, but it's also a very old thing. Peer to peer is how we used to do money when like we would barter with gold, when we would have physical, you know, cash and I would give it to you and or you would give it to me. And that record that transaction did not have to be recorded by some nation state it could be private okay so we're doing something new but we're also going back to something old and in this old system in this peer-to-peer system or now peer-to-contract type system um, we don't need the institutions as much because why were the institutions put in place they were put in place so that they could protect the people from large intermediaries who had more power who had the ability to manipulate, to um, information arbitrage, to not be transparent. They were put in place to help the people. And now these institutions are getting in the way of peer-to-peer transactions because they think we still need them in these cases mm-hmm. and they're grasping at power. And I think that has to change. That has to invert. The way we think about these crypto uh, transactions has to be more like the old peer-to-peer model, Right. And less like everything is intermediated through a bank and can be controlled by a regulator. And the regulators have to come back to their mission statement of like, 
protect the people. And how do you protect the people? You give them access to privacy. So third parties like Facebook or Meta or Visa or Google can't prey on us and steal all our data. I mean, Google can scrape the blockchain and figure out what every transaction is right now. Do, do we need protection against that from our regulators? Yes. What are they doing? They're stripping that away. That's the thing that has to change. And um, yeah, that's why I tweeted this out. Yeah, that, that book that I frequently re- reference seeing like a state, um, it gave me this one very big aha moment that made me appreciate a lot more about like how the nation state approaches crypto. And that is, um, it explains why there's this always this antagonistic relationship between the nation state and aboriginal societies. Hmm. It's because aboriginal societies are nomadic. They don't decentralized. Have <laughs> yeah, they're decentralized, right? They, they don't have an address. They yeah. don't exist anywhere. They don't have a, a serial number. They don't have a, a social security number. And they're always on the move. So how do you tax them? How mm. do you reason about them? How do they fit inside of like the rigid your grid, your machine? And so what the, the nation say is they're not, the nation say isn't inherently racist, but it is oppressive towards aboriginals. And then also there's probably some racist people that, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and so like this, it just doesn't compute the relationship between aboriginals and nation states, like they're, they're different languages. Yeah. And this is the same thing that's happening with cryptographers and crypto systems. They don't understand us. They don't understand the systems. We don't speak the same languages. And so what do they do? They oppress, they silence, they coerce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is, if the, uh, if the whole rule of law system works in our favor, we will be able to fight for that. But by default, it is an oppressive system that we need to fight against. Agreed. Yeah. And we need to spend a lot of time educating. And I think that's what mm-hmm. that's what a big part of the Bankless podcast and, and the right. movement is, right? It's why we get politicians on here, even though sometimes mm-hmm. those episodes are, you know, it's like, what, not, what is this person going to say? I generally enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> what they need, like, we, we need to engage. We need to talk to them. All right, David, mm-hmm. what are you bullish on this week? So this will be yet another articulation as to why I'm bullish on the super chain, but this is a more narrow reason as to why I'm bullish on the super chain. There's this growing axis over there between the Ethereum attestation service, who we just did a podcast with, uh, Optimism Governance, uh, this platform called Click, and also Farcaster is a part of this. Overall, there's this axis of infrastructure that's growing that is helping establish identity in a little bit more of a roundabout way than I think people are typically used to, like WorldCoin, scan your eyeball, will give you an identity, right? Um, like many, many identity platforms say like, hey, our platform gives you an identity. Whereas like Optimism Governance, the whole OP stack system, Ethereum attestation service, uh, and then all those attestation providers like Click, they're actually providing you an identity in a more roundabout way, more about like they're showing the con- the outside of your identity. They're showing the contours of your identity without actually trying to ascribe you an identity the way WorldCoin is. And so I think if people are trying to look at what the frontier of decentralized identity looks like. They would go look at this axis that's forming over in the OP stack. Which, I think. I mean, the idea is that that scales out to every single OP stack chain. I I think I agree with that. There's some cool things that we're seeing. That that episode we did recently with uh, Ethereum attestation service. Okay, if you not have no yet. idea what that means, it's not out yet. But attestations are just you know a fact that um, you can claim about yourself, Science or somebody fact. can claim about yeah. you. And it turns out that attestations actually form the basis of this thing, this social construct we call identity and reputation. Mm-hmm. And so it's very cool to see different ecosystems. In particular, I think, you're right, optimism is really pressing into this 
formation of an identity. And what's different about that in WorldCoin is it's kind of like it's app-driven identity rather than identity first, right? So there's right. like the use case for, I, and I think that's probably how identity happens. It has to sort of, it's an emergent phenomenon. It has to emerge. Right. You can't say, here's identity. Now everyone right. come and, and get your identity. Step right up, ladies and gentlemen, here's your identity. The only platform that does that is the nation state. And that's because they have a gun pointed to your face. Yeah, they got, they got, they already built the uh, economy of scale to sort of um, right. roll that out and make that yeah. happen. And so, yeah, I think there's some really cool identity experiments going on. So Ethereum attestation service, that episode is coming up soon. It's cool. It's public, yeah. non-token, yeah. it's public goodsy. And uh, that's going to be a foundational basis. Not token. (laughs) Tokenless. Uh, So that actually will come out uh, a week after next. Oh, yeah. Uh, On Monday. Oh, that's mine. Don't steal mine. Don't steal mine. Okay. Oh, ask me what I'm bullish on. What are you bullish on? I'm bullish about this. (laughs) I'm (laughs) bullish about this idea of a super chain, this this kind of structure that we're forming. And it was part Mm -hmm. of of the um, back of the episode that we just recorded with uh, Ben Jones and uh, Jesse Pollock from the base team. Uh, that's Coinbase base team. And, um, it put like implanted this kind of, um, you know, image in my mind that I think has already been more present in yours, but I, I don't know something about that episode really clicked for me. I think what we're going to have is with all of these layer twos, we're going to have federations of chains. We'll call them United States of chains where each, each chain is kind of its own state, but they're all part of this confederation where mm-hmm. they have kind of a, a an economic zone together and maybe a shared governance layer. So I think all of these layer twos are emerging along that path. So we'll have like the United Chains of Polygon, we'll have the United Chains of Arbitrum, the United Chains of Optimism, right? And uh, that's what they call well the super call chain. That super chain. That's yeah. what they call the super chain. And there's there's two levels to this uh, union that I, I it wasn't quite broken apart for me until that episode. The first is like the social uh, level in the social alliance. And that's very much about governance and a shared tax system and a constitution that all of the chains subscribe to. And to me, that starts to look like very nation state like or very like formation of the United States or the European Union like, where you have all of these separate nations agreeing to a shared protocol constitution come together f- to create an economic zone. So that's like this. And they, they have representatives, they have governance, right? That's where identity fits in, by the way. Uh, anyway, that is starting to form the social alliance. And then there's also a technical alliance here where we have shared standards, right? And this looks very much like um, internet, like web 1.0 technical alliances, right? So DNS, domain name services, this is a um, a governance, sorry, a technical standards body. Basically, there's all sorts of technical standards bodies that um, form the the internet, but they're basically more committee type driven, right? They don't have any kind of governance power. Anyway, what we're creating in these super chain structures is like almost like a little bit of nation state and a little bit of technical standards body, and we're combining that together in a new experiment. I think this is the next frontier of you know Balaji talking about the digital nation states. I think mm-hmm. this is that it's yeah, yeah, yeah. what we're creating are these digital nation superstructures. And what's really neat well, hold, is hold on. I'm going to take yeah. some credit here. Okay. Biology, biology takes the network state. He wants these things to go manifest in real life and buy land. The digital nation state, that's a bankless original. That's true. That is that's a bankless us. original. That yes. is us. Yes. This is what we've always, this is what we've said. And this is, a, and, and so what, what, what's interesting is it sort of positions Ethereum in a unique place in that mm-hmm. I used to think Ethereum was, was more of a, a um, digital nation state in itself. In fact, that was right. kind of the original episode we did about this. Ethereum, the digital nation state. And that's true right. still. 
but also right. it's kind of a, a fractal and it's it's more emerging as kind of a birthplace for it was, new it was digital mainly true structures. while everyone was on the layer one yeah because uh, we didn't have layer twos yes so um ethereum is a birthplace for networks of network states um this is really a cool concept i think yeah. anyway um that's what's exciting me this week oh and lastly I think that's the structure that's actually going to scale us to a billion on-chain users. Yeah, like, 100%. I think we have it now. Well, we didn't I mean, have we, it previously. I, mean, I think we have the evidence because look at what Base is doing, right? New people for the first time ever. Oh, we didn't even say. Right. You know, Base is almost up to um, a million uh, active a million, a million active addresses. Users. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. In like right. two, two, three weeks. Yeah, oh. it's. It, I mean, it's just like fractal scaling, right? How do you how do you get to ten thousand or how do you get to ten billion people? As soon as we get ten billion people on this planet, the only way you get there is fractal growth, geometric growth, and that is what is comprised inside of these like super chain phenomenons, where we have permissionless forking of chains that all coalesce into an economic zone and share the spoils of each one's network effects. There you go. There you go. Meme of the week, David. What are we looking at? Meme of the week. Uh, <laughs> shout out to the boys club twitter they produce some of the best memes about crypto so this is the meme of somebody pressing multiple fountain soda drinks at once going into the same cup and so on the left we have weird unusable technology that's being mixed with volatile confusing money and hey that's us <laughs> that's crypto that's, that's exactly what we are yes. that's a great meme Guys, stay tuned for uh, the moment of Zen as well. It's a song by Song and Day Man. I think you're gonna really like. You gotta end with this, of course. Sorry. Have you wait? Have you listened to this song, Ryan? Yeah. Okay. Because you have a main feature in it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to give a parental advisory warning? Um, it says the F word a few times. Inter in between Ryan and Adams, there's an <laughs> F word, and it's repeated a handful of times. Wow. Oh, wait, no. Uh, it goes Ryan S. F word S. <laughs> of course. You got to yeah. get the middle name yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, we're going to get to risks in just a second. But first, disclosures. David and I mentioned a few projects today. Full disclosure, we are angel investors to Opal, Scroll, and Connects. We're also advisors to Optimism, a few other layer twos as well. Both David and I hold ETH. We're long-term investors. We're not journalists. We don't do paid content. There's always a link to all Bankless disclosures in the show notes or at bankless.com slash disclosures. All right. Crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in. But we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. First day, first day of the machines. First day, first day of the machines.
Ryan, I don't know if you've checked lately, but we are approaching our 1,000th. Approaching its 1,000th. God damn it. Thousandth. One thousandth. God, what is going on, bro? <laughs> thousandth. Thousandth? Can you say it? One thousandth. Thousandth. One thousandth. Jesus, dude. <laughs> okay. Ryan, I don't know if you've uh, checked recently, but on Apple Podcasts, Bankless is about to hit its 1,000th. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, now you gotta I, do it. Brian, I don't know if you've uh, checked recently, but on Apple Podcasts, we are about to hit 1,000 five-star reviews. So if any of the Bankless Nation wants to be that 1,000th... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we are about to hit... 1,000 five-star reviews. So this is a call to action for anyone listening to Bankless on Apple. Give us those five-star reviews so we can hit 1,000 so we can legitimize the Bankless podcast and get that top of the iTunes investing and business categories. 